Welcome to Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. This podcast is a collection of historical and philosophical references, contemplations, lectures, and exchanges with David M. Valadez, his students, and guests. Podcasts are recorded on the mat at the Ascension Center in Southern California and in studio. These podcasts are provided to cultivate the warrior on the way and to add light to their path. All right, so we've been having a conversation, um, and I think it's it's a conversation on a topic that everyone needs to understand uh, or have with themselves because it's the human dilemma to, to get it. So it's common to all deshi. It's common to all human beings, those on the way and those not on the way. It does, there's no escape from this because it's in our very organism is how I see it. And it's a conversation, if I can summarize what we've been talking about, it's a conversation about um, the superficial and the depth or um, in the things we've been discussing uh, understanding things at the level of the intellect or uh, living things at the level of being, right? Um, so some of the things, let me catch the audience up, but chime in anywhere, okay? Because I think it's a great conversation for you um, to have because you're making your way between these two poles um, so your, your experience, your insights, uh, your kind of travel log, so to speak, it can be very helpful to others uh, as it is for you to put into words, okay? So some of the things that, that started the conversation was uh, we were going over some red dot drills. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, the red dot is a sighting system in our case, uh, that we were using on handguns. Uh, it's relatively new uh, compared to iron sights. Uh, that's what most people are used to seeing. But much of law enforcement is moving over to this red dot sighting system because of the multiple advantages it brings to the law enforcement officer, especially in stressful situations, uh, a chief one being that you can remain target-focused rather than having to, under stress, pull your gaze away from the threat and focus on the front sight of your pistol, which is almost impossible to do under stress, right? Um, if you remember two quarters ago uh, when we did a force-on-force -force training at our department, uh, there was a suspect that comes out and ambushes you. Do you remember this scenario? And uh, you're shooting marking rounds back at each other. And for those who don't know, or those who do know, we were using UTM rounds. And for those who don't know, these things hurt. So they, there is a pain factor there. And you definitely do not want to be hit by these things. Um, so under stress, uh, nearly 
no one looked at their front sight because under stress we look at the threat itself. It's, a, it's some sort of biological uh, or evolutionary aspect we have. You're not going to pull your eyes off the threat. And so only the very, very highly trained, uh, disciplined shooters will go ahead and use their sighting system. Overwhelmingly, everyone keeps their eyes on the threat and starts doing what is called reflexive shooting or point shooting. Uh, and that's what we saw when we were recording our data. So the red dot allows you to look through the glass uh, past the emitter and focus on the threat. The, the only difficult part is that you actually want to look through this tiny little tube uh, because in our quarterly training, if you remember, um, even people with red dot sighting systems were looking over the, the site because they didn't want to block their view to the threat by putting the pistol in front of their eyes and using the red dot. So, but theoretically, the red dot allows us to look through that glass and, and keep our eyes and our attention on the stressor itself. Um, for those who don't know, uh, before this guy... Uh, starts chiming in on our podcast. Uh, I am a certified firearms instructor with the state of California, also through the FBI, and I am a Red Dot certified instructor through the SIG Academy. Uh, for people who know, you know who and what the SIG Academy is. And I am range master and, fire ma and a firearms instructor for our department. So we're training in the red dot. You're moving from irons to the red dot. We were doing some drills, and um, a common problem shows up, right? That our focal point is actually on the red dot itself or on the glass upon which the red dot is being emitted, and we're actually not focusing on the threat. So we're not looking through the glass. We're looking at the glass. Uh, and you have been doing a number of drills and repetitions uh, for quite a while to get you to look through the glass. But today, uh, we move towards uh, transitioning from strong side hand to support side hand with one-handed and finding the dot uh, as you're going through this transition. And you notice that when you went to your left hand, um, you went back to an earlier habit where you're focusing on the glass instead of looking through the glass onto the target. And do you remember what you, what you said there? You were talking about how <laughs> you were surprised that that old habit came out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that just a slight difference. Oh, going to the left hand, which I don't do as many reps on, just that level of change, which I guess kind of amps up almost even the intensity of the training, I reverted back to um, my default, which was at always looking at the glass. I, before even this, I didn't even get the concept of the red dot. Mm -hmm. He had to really, uh, Sensei really had to explain that to me. I was like, no, it's blurry. There's no way I can look through this thing yeah. um, because my focal point was not correct. Yeah. Even, but then, even though I was able to get that part of it on one side, when my dominant side, two hands, it was almost worse because I was able to do it, mm -hmm. but then just the slight intensity, then I could not do it. Yeah, and we, 
I mean, it goes back to uh, Heraclitus, right? So we don't we don't rise to the occasion. This is this is very common in in people. Uh, they don't understand the the degradation in performance that comes with stress. Uh, and stress, we have to understand broadly, right? We, it's not just like pressure, but newness can be stressful. Unfamiliarity can be stressful. Uh, performance anxiety is a kind of stress, do you see? So any, anything that kind of challenges us um, in those environments, we don't rise to the occasion, as Heraclitus said. We fall to the level of our training. And one of the things that I have you know, schooled you in was what that means is skills are perishable. Uh, and I've given you some parameters for it. So your, your skill is only as good um, uh, in accordance to several things, like how many reps have you done? Uh, when was the last time you did those reps? And what is the quality of the reps that you performed? Uh, if any of those things are at a certain value, it will be as if you don't know anything under stressful conditions. So if you don't do that many reps, yeah, you're not going to do anything of what those reps were doing, uh, trying to teach you. If you haven't done your reps in a long time, those same things, that was a waste of time. It won't show up under stressful conditions. Or if you were half-assing your reps uh, you, with diverted attention, let's say, you don't rise to the occasion. It'll be like you haven't done anything under stressful conditions, okay? And so our conversation um, went on to discuss this difference between understanding something. So you, you by today, you understood don't look at the glass, look through the glass. Do you see? You understood it, but under a stressful condition, uh, the understanding did nothing for us, right? And we also noted that uh, when we're talking about this skill, it is, it is beyond this intellectual comprehension, uh, and it also comes with a quality, meaning the greater the skill, the more I can maintain the performance under higher and higher stressful situations, more challenging environments, okay? And I think this is what a lot of Aikidoka don't really understand, even in our own dojo, that there is some difference between an intellectual comprehension or an intellectual understanding and what we call here uh, a a living of the concept or a living of the principle. Uh, in other words, it's not just an intellectual understanding, but it is who I am right now, do you see? There's a merging of self and technique, so to speak, where I can't, I could never be a person who does not look through the glass anymore. Do, do you see that? And when I can never be a person who who doesn't look through the glass, it doesn't matter how stressful my situation is, I will always look through the glass and not at the glass. Do you, do you get it? And we're talking about how that is the same thing. Let's say a, a lot of the discussion that we've been having at the dojo is the relationship with the teacher, do you see? Uh, and why that is important is because the teacher as a human being is the kind of catalyst that we need 
in order to bridge this chasm between intellectual understanding and a way of being. Yeah, you can't just, you can't, because you can't do it by understanding it, do you see? It's impossible. Uh, and only something as equally dynamic as our own body-mind can get us there, meaning another human being, okay? And this is why, through countless generations, the mentor-disciple um, paradigm has always been used, do you see? One, one leads to the other. So... We were talking about the teacher, and many people understand intellectually what the teacher is. Um, you know, so you might be able to follow etiquette, right, uh, in the dojo. Um, so, for example, we have a etiquette uh, that works on awareness, right? Never give your back to the teacher. Do you see? Um, and there's some people though that under certain classes. Uh, they lose track because of the stress of the class of where is the teacher and I can actually just sneak up behind you. Do you, do you, do you remember those times? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, because it is possible that I can do that, it's possible I can do that because you're not a being yet that it's impossible for you to give your back to your teacher. Do you see you, you, have to, you have to rely on an intellectual comprehension in order to follow the etiquette. Um, and so if it's stressful enough an uh, environment, your intellect is not able to function at that speed of life, so to speak. And so now you violate the etiquette, right? And the downside of this is like etiquette is a pain in the ass. It really, right? It's, it's a, a kind of externally imposed thing right it just it's bothering us because why because it's external to us and it's imposed upon us um, and so the teacher is external to us and is an imposition so to speak and what happens with impositions is if we're not in the greatest of moods uh, in which won't happen if we're not in the most ideal of environments, then guess what? I can't stand the fucking imposition, right? And uh, fuck that guy, and fuck this rule, and do, do you get it? And so uh, this is why I always say why training is so difficult for you guys because it's, it's an imposition, because it's always external, do you see? Because it's not ap operating at the level of being. It's forced to operate only at the level of intellectual con uh, understanding or comprehension. Does, does that make sense that to you? Sense. Um, I always draw the example with uh, Seiza or Zazen. Do you see? Zazen's requirement on stillness and silence is an imposition, except for those who can um, commune with stillness and silence. Then it's nothing. But for everyone else, all of us that are, can't do that, this, this silence and stillness is torturous. Do, do you see? And the same thing goes with uke. Like uke attacking us, it's a kind of imposition. But if I can commune with uke, there is no imposition. Do you see? I'm one with uke. And I can't do that, though, uh, intellectually. Like we understand, right? Oh, I'm going to become one with Uke. <laughs> it doesn't work at that level, right? Even a note on Zazen. Yeah. I mean, 
when I first started it, I was like, fuck, this is so hard for me. This yeah. is harder than taking Ukemi for me. Like, stillness. Yeah. Fuck, I, I was like that dog in, what is it, Up? If I heard a noise, I'm like, squirrel. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. I could not do it. It was very hard for me. Yeah. I mean, I have been working on it. And yeah. But it, it, that was very hard yeah. for me. And, just and, and this work is is bringing it from the external, superficial, intellectual level to the level of who are you? Do you, do you see? Who are you? The level of being. Okay. And some other examples that were coming up in us is, you know, the people who uh, can attend many, many classes, and then all of a sudden, they're not here, do you see? Because the practice is only at the surface level. It's not who they are. It's what they do, do you see? And they can only do it for an external reason. But what happens under stressful conditions? What happens when our work doesn't allow us to do it, or our partner doesn't allow us to do it, or our own fears don't allow us to do it? Do you see, when we enter into that same kind of stressful situation, like an ambush situation, right? Suspects coming at us. Can I keep the technique because I am the technique? Can I look through the glass and use this sighting system to get accurate shots on target? Or do I just revert to this fear state, you see? So a lot of people can come to class until it gets stressful in, at some level, until it becomes an imposition at some level. And then their distance from what they're doing and who they are makes them fall to that level. And now they don't come to class anymore. Do you see? And it's a struggle to come to class, right? It's like I feel so sorry for them because you you come, you're here, but man, it's so hard for you to be here right now. Have have you observed? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Right. Yeah. It's almost like you're here, but you're really not here. Yeah. That even looks like that. It, with you look at their faces, even. Yeah. They're struggling. They're struggling. Yeah. They're struggling to be here, and. Uh, Here's here's the uh, and we 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 also talked about this because you you had this same issue right. Um, there's people um, that under that struggle, instead of solving, seeking the solution that the dojo is offering is look. There's this gap between. Uh, there's this difference between understanding something and being something. And we're not here to understand something. We're here to be something, you see. Then the, and the traditional model is let's work on being something. Um, that's the solution, okay? But most people in this will go, no, 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 no that, that's, that's not the solution. I'm, I want to be, uh, I want to understand it. I understand it, so I get it. Uh, and they did, they ignore like then why is it an imposition? Why are you suffering? You're you're not getting it, and you're forgetting that intellectual comprehension is not what we're after. It's not what we're doing, and no matter how well you understand something, it does not operate at the speed of life or at the quality of life. So you don't want that. So we've had people that uh, feel that imposition and then go, I can't take it. I can't take it, and then they pull out. Right. So we've had children, for example, um, that were in the dojo and they were quite talented as children, like very athletic, 
Um, but as the training increases in intensity uh, in order to uh, gain or maintain a quality of performance, do you see? Uh, they feel the imposition and they pull out. And at the level of children, it's really the parent, do you see? The parent is usually the one who themselves um, do not understand this difference between understanding and being. And they offer the out. And usually they offer the out for the child member because it's just more convenient for them which goes back to under their own stressful conditions, they can't maintain uh, the virtues of training and the way and the dojo. So they're like, oh, it's such a drag to get this child to come here and it's too hard for me. Uh, and so I'm just gonna let them get out, do you see? And then what happens though, uh, life gets them, do you see? Life itself is a kind of, agitating, stressful situation. And as we are in the middle of a mental illness crisis, which we know as sworn peace officers, and maybe the general public does not know it because we're the tip of the spear of what ails our society. And there is a mental illness epidemic coming uh, where everyone will no longer be able to deny it. And it's coming. So these these child members uh, fall victim to that without having the armor of the way. Do you see the, the tenacity, the grit, the endurance to, to uh, handle life without entering into anxiety or depression or even becoming suicidal? Um, so they, they're away from the dojo and the world takes them, do you see? And now, they, they realize, oh, uh, I need to get back, right? It's kind of like they, they, the ship was sinking, they got in the lifeboat, and they got out of the lifeboat, and they were swimming out in the ocean, and they finally realized, oh, I'm, I'm going to drown out here, I'm going to die. And now they come back into the lifeboat, only to do the work that, that we could have done, right? Uh, and again, it's that whole thing. It's because the work was external to them. It's all external. It's all the imposition. Um, and you need to figure out, no, 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 no. It, what we're after is beyond intellectual comprehension because that's all superficial. And that keeps it an imposition when times get challenging, right? And you had, you had that same thing mm -hmm. at one point. Just you didn't, you didn't disappear for that long, not very, very short to tell you the truth. And I'll say here, and I've told you before, it's not easy to come back. Mm -hmm. And so it, there is some great accomplishment in it um, as much as there is, maybe even more, uh, to not ever leave, do you see? So to come back is, is pretty impressive um, because you have to get past this imposition and get to work, where the real work is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now being back, I asked the question to myself for those that, it make, it's hard to come back. What allows someone to come to this dojo, go away, and not be able to come back? There's so much here that it was almost impossible for me not to come back. No matter what I thought about, I was like, 
there was no way I couldn't come back. I, I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> yeah, and I, well, I think someone has to reach that point. So even, even the child members that are coming back as young adults, do you see, that at some level they realize there's no way I can't come back because to not come back is to, is to uh, ruin myself. Do, do you see? It's just you realized it pretty quickly, like in a matter of days. Um, and now we're, we're, they realize it, but it's, t it's taking, it took a long time and it took a great, a great state of ruination, so to speak, or to put it in how we've been talking, um, it took them a long time to realize that they're falling to the level of their training, which is not enough reps, not recent enough, uh, and not good quality, so it does not function in the real world under stressful conditions, and it's leading to your downfall, do you see, where you cannot survive, you cannot thrive. It took a great amount of suffering for them yeah, to realize. Yeah, like greater, mm -hmm. greater, greater to realize. Yeah. And, and some people, um, you know, what, what I always try to say is use the suffering as your guidepost and, and realize you do not have to suffer. Dismantle the equation of the suffering, right? Understand it in terms of our jujitsu. Uh, what is pushing on me is what I'm pushing on, mm -hmm. do you see? And then use that liberating model uh, to free yourself. Well, stop pushing on it and now it's not pushing on you, mm -hmm. do you see? And you, and you liberate yourself. But many, many people here even, they keep pushing on the thing that's pushing on them. And they can push to great, great degrees, do you see? It's amazing that, again, the same thing I always say, like, man, I can't, I can't how hard class is for some of you uh, as I watch Aikido on the mat because you are just pushing like crazy. Um, it, at one level, it's impressive <laughs> that you, a person can suffer so greatly or overcome, you know, so forcefully. Um, of course, it's not the art, though, but I always am like, wow, you, you, I could not train how you guys train. I could not overcome the amount of suffering that you have to overcome to get here. I could not overcome the amount of, of muscle requirement that you have to do. So, for example, right, I'm, I'm training all the time, and my work right? I'm, I'm in the training bureau. I'm training all the time. I mean, this last quarter, uh, we were doing martial arts, 10 hours at work, and then I was coming here, right, and training all night. And there's no way my body could take that if I had to be muscling people and overpowering people for that amount of time and then to keep showing up day after day after day, right? I mean, you saw me. I walk in. I'm a zombie walking in because I just did 10 hours of martial arts training. Uh, but you can watch the videos, right? I'm still able to perform because I'm not forcing the technique. It's effortless. Yeah, yeah. it's effortless. Um, and then you go back. Why? Why is it effortless? Because it is who I am. Mm -hmm. Do you see, it's at that level of being. And everything else, when we watch other people, they understand the concept of non-contestation. But they cannot be non-contestation. Non and so if the environment becomes uh, stressful enough or challenging enough, then they fall to that level 
of their training where they contest and now training is torturous, mm -hmm. right? Even as I was, uh, when I was leaving, when I came back, I realized that was the first time I was able to, it wasn't even intellectual anymore. It was more now you just got to start putting in the work and start, and what you're explaining, start being almost. I mean, meaning when I left, that was actually the opening to be able to start doing this, that type of training. Yeah. Not, I'm not sure that's good, and some people, I think, can do it without, you know, the leaving. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I did, but that also was my, my opening. Yeah, it was, and I, I, you know what, however that opening comes, that's good, right? Take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's many, many examples of this through the historical record where um, the, the person is the exact opposite of who they eventually become, do you see? So, and, you know, one example I always like is St. Francis, right? So St. Francis was this rich, aristocratic, Italian, right? Every superficial, materialistic. And it, I don't think he would have become the saint he became if he hadn't lived that life, do you see? Or we even take the, the Buddha and the Buddha narrative, right? He was a prince, and if he hadn't, if his family had not thrown... Um, that huge orgy party, do you see? The night before he left, he probably would not have left, mm -hmm. do you see? Mm -hmm. So uh, the historical record always notes that, uh, that these things trigger us. And many, many, many people, once you realize, like, and I think you're kind of saying it now, is you almost go like, thank God that that orgy happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or thank God I was such a prick. Do, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? Because if I didn't have that extreme, I would have stayed like that. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see uh, that that's actually what, what's happening. So even the child members that come back, they have to reach that extreme mm -hmm. where, um, man, I, I, I was living this totally unwell life, um, this Americanist life of entertainment and pleasure addiction uh, and, you know, chemical addiction uh, and that brought me to this level of despair uh, and self-subversion and self-sabotage. And in some way, uh, you have to be grateful for those things. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and, it, and in some way, you, you realize that the people who don't reach that level are almost at a disservice. Mm -hmm. Do you know? Yeah. You, you can see it almost in their expressions every single day. I'm not sure how to explain it. Um, it's also, you're, you, 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 you tell us stuff, and we're able to intellectualize it, some of us, even to the point of understanding intellectually. And then... In, in the doing, they do something, and it's completely opposite in, of the intellectual that they're saying they understand. And it's almost this part is always coupled with just complete confusion and a victim mindset. I don't yeah. know how to explain the expression. Just everything becomes confusion, victim mindset, and then they're not able to get out of that circle of intellectualize. Oh, I understand. I should be able to do it. Doing. Oh, I make a mistake in the exact thing that I'm saying. I understand intellectually, and then it, they 
keep falling down to that victim mindset. And it, yeah. Does that, that make uh, yeah, and I think I'm calling, I, 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 I think it is a victim mindset, uh, what I'm calling that imposition. Mm -hmm. Like it's an external, mm -hmm. like in other words, we don't ever experience the imposition as if I had it coming. <laughs> it's always like, why is this happening to me? Uh, and it is a kind of victim mindset. It's a victim mentality. And so then, obviously, we know what allows that. I mean, the ego, yes. ig pride, ignorance, fear, all that kind of stuff that you've mm. explained many times on other yeah. podcasts. So what allows someone to stay there versus move, just move past it, start yeah. being? What, yeah. what makes, what? Well, I think we talked about this thing where you kind of, you, you know, you do reach, some of us do reach this level of ruination, mm -hmm. do you see? Um, and we're noting here that, that most of us don't. We're kind of floating out in enough of a no man's land where the consequences are not so dire mm -hmm. uh, to be motivational. Um, but in either case, when I hear your question of what allows us to get out of that thing, in either case, I think this is where I come into the, to the word faith, mm -hmm. do you see? And if I go, if I have this, these two poles between superficial and depth or intellectual and being, do you see, if I have these two poles and part of my practice is how do I move from this superficial level to this level of depth, to this level of being, where there's no difference between myself and the practice. I am non-contestation, do you see? Or I am communion, I am Aiki, do you see? It's impossible for me to not do Aiki, okay? Um, just like right now, it's impossible for us to not think in English, do you see? It's such a part of us. Um, and that training is all about moving from that superficial pole to this level of depth pole. Um, and I would call that movement and all the training that allows for that movement, that is what I call faith. Faith is not belief. You see, you, I, I do not believe it. It's, that's not faith. Faith is also not, um, you know, what I have to do uh, because I don't understand. Mm -hmm. that These are modern understands of faith. Uh, if you go back in that book I recently recommended, uh, The Case for God, um, she goes through the history of a word like faith. And the, the word has changed meaning. Um, so today, uh, faith is a bad word. Right, faith is 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 uh, is what the masses do, the ignorant masses. Right, so religion is the opiate of the people. Is something that Marx said. And uh, you talk about anything uh, in a faith uh, perspective, modern secular Americanist culture, like you're an idiot. Um, we should stop listening to you. You're you need help. Uh, you're in danger. Do you get it? But. There, there's a long history that made faith the opposite of uh, a scientific or a rational mindset, right? Mm. And she goes into that history. Uh, and you know I was a historian of religion, so I know this history. So, And I've explained many times what I mean by the word faith, but, but we will explain it again here. Um, but this author has a very interesting life. 
because it's paralleling a lot of what we're talking about here. Um, she, as a young woman, got some sense that I'm not so well. The, the world is not so good for me. Like, just whatever, some sense. Uh, you know, what, what could this be? It's like, um, you know, I'm in all these superficial relationships. Everything just seems like uh, it, it, it's not worth it. And this is a result of seeing through the veil of impermanence. Do you see? Everything in life is, is impermanent in its inner nature. And this is a Buddhist truth, do you see? There's many religions that recognize this. These things of the world, they come and go, come and go, come and go. And um, depending on maybe your karma, your soul realizes sooner or later uh, that this world can't really offer you the stability or the centeredness or the foundation that you seek to keep you mentally satisfied. Uh, a common understanding of this would be like what we would call uh, a midlife crisis, do you see? So somewhere around, you know, 40, 50, 30 to 50, people realize, oh, man, uh, my job didn't, didn't, didn't make the world for me. I actually hate my job. Um, you know, the, the marriage and the two kids and, and the dog and the two cars, like, it doesn't really mean shit. This could go all the way, and I, I'm still the same thing. At, at some level, too, uh, we start to struggle with the reality of our own impermanence. So our own personal extinction uh, can lead to a kind of loss of meaning and a loss of centeredness in life. Um, and people realize this at different points. Some people realize this uh, much younger than other people, right? Um, and let's say they're a person who, who uh, sees also through the veils of what the Americanist solutions are. So medication, alcohol, entertainment, uh, dopamine hits, you know, sugar, all of these kind of things. Um, and she was one of them. So as a young woman, she decides that she wants to be a nun. Do you see? And uh, she goes, she enters into uh, the process but people in monastic orders are not idiots. They know that people come hurting, do you see? Um, and just like here, do you see? People, people come here hurting. And what the teacher has to do or the mother superior has to do is uh, to convince them, in, you know, loosely speaking, that the pain you're feeling is not going to be solved by the way you think it's going to be solved, okay? So, for example, uh, we, you mentioned fear, pride, and ignorance, do you see? And many people will come, yeah, my fears are really getting me. I feel a lot of anxiety, uh, you know, in, in my life, and it's overriding me. I have panic attacks and uh, things like that, right? And it's stopping me from doing things I want to do. So they'll come to the dojo, and maybe they've heard about martial arts give you confidence, do you see? And you're going you're gonna to kick so many people's asses that eventually you're super confident and you go around, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and, uh, but really, uh, what we, how we reconcile fear is through no self, 
through a loss of self and now fear becomes impossible but they're like hey don't i can i just kick people's asses so that i don't feel like i have to kick people's asses because i know i can right that's the the common way of understanding we're like no actually um you know you have to become uh, a saint so to speak you have to lose yourself you have to reconcile your ego attachment you have to gain the skill of releasing the ego and you're like, well, how, what is that like? And like, yeah, these techniques don't mean shit, <laughs> right? And so the mother superior uh, has to convince uh, this person who came there with a mind and an understanding of what it actually is when that understanding is incorrect. So they let you kind of hang out for a while. And then they ask you again once they see that, you, uh, that your own misunderstanding do you see? Do you really want to do this, in other words, right? Um, we kind of do that here in some way, right? So people don't get their hakama, for example, until I see within them some glimmer that how they first came in with all their misunderstandings of the Americanist worldview is not what we do here. Mm-hmm. And that's who gets the hakama, mm-hmm. do you see? Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with ukemi or rank or anything. It's, it's really, who can actually start training, mm. do you see? And that's why who loses the hakama, do you see? The people who, who can't do that anymore, mm. do you see? So we just had a, a student lose the hakama, right? We had a student lose the hakama. Um, and if you look at her life, right, uh, she can't make class. Mm. She, she can't make class mm. um, because it's an imposition, because it's constantly a struggle. And so she's falling to the level of her training, which means you're falling to the level of who you are, and who you are is Americanist, mm. so to speak. Do you see? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at her life, she's surrounded. She's surrounded, right? I think it could be mistaken but to the best of my memory it is uh, a friend's sister killed herself another friend had a psychiatric hold placed on her so uh, WNI 5150 and another friend attempted to kill herself right so who who is her community right it's not the dojo it's not the dojo community right and you're not making training, you're surrounding yourselves. It's like, where, what is your dojo? Mm-hmm. That's your dojo, do you see? And so, no, no, you, you can't, you're not training, mm-hmm. okay? You're doing something else. You're maybe exercising. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're coming because your mother tells you to come, do you see? Um, you, you, you kind of feel good when you get some exercise going. You get some endorphins going, do you see? But you're not really on the path. Mm-hmm. Do you get it? So the hakama is about who, who is on the path. Mm-hmm. So in this nunnery, the mother superior will eventually go, hey, do you want to do this, right? And she was all like, nope. <laughs> and uh, she, she leaves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and she goes in, her life takes her into uh, more of an Americanist, mm-hmm. um, you know, lifestyle. So she actually becomes 
uh, anti-religious, very secular materialist, right? Where faith is a bad word and things like that. And she's doing like critical, uh, she becomes a reporter of some kind. She's doing like critical stories on that lifestyle, do you see? That she probably felt a victim to, mm -hmm. do you see? Because it was imposed upon her. And those idiots there, right? They didn't see what I needed and do what I needed, right? Um, and of course, eventually, the secular, materialist, Americanist uh, worldview causes a crisis in her because uh, it starts to destroy you, mm -hmm. do you see? Um, just like we know this there's a mental illness epidemic, and re which results in suicide, mm -hmm. do you see? Um, it's coming, right? We see it. It's here for us at our level on the tip of the spear. We see it, right? But if you work, you're working at Google or you're working here or there, it doesn't really touch you. You're like, what, what's the next Tesla model coming out? Do you know what I mean? You don't really see it, um, but we see it all. We see it, in it right? So um, eventually it hits her, the, the Americanist. Uh, she has, so to speak, her midlife crisis, but she was younger, but not as young as she was when she went into the convent. And uh, she goes, she starts uh, going again deeper and deeper, and she realized her mistake, mm -hmm. do you see? And she now um, didn't go back into the convent, uh, but kind of has her own mission. Like, let me help us moderns uh, help ourselves. So and one of the ways that she's doing this is like, look, uh, we misunderstand what the uh, traditional or pre-modern societies uh, understood God as or related terms faith as, do you see? Um, and it's not what you do when you cannot understand, mm -hmm. do you see? It is, again, how you are or who you are um, when intellectual conceptualization uh, cannot get you there. Do you see? That's, that's what faith is. Uh, it's a skill. It's a practice. Uh, it's su it supplements intellectual understanding, but it moves beyond it or it, it, it operates through other means. Do you see? Uh, what, what means? The means of being. Do you see? So the person, let's take again the uke. So the uke is coming in at me, right? They're an imposition on me. Do you see? They're external to me. And so is the concept of aiki, communion, or so is the, the concept of non-contestation. Do you see? And again, if your kihonwaza is low-level stress, right? Like no big deal. This is pointless to you. Just like you could look through your glass of your red dot all day long uh, on your master grip, two-hand grip, center of your body. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. But now running and gunning and trying to find it with your left hand and the clock is ticking, even in those low level, and let alone doing it when someone's shooting at you, right? That's a whole other business, right? So if your uke is coming in and the training environment is stressful enough, you fall to the level of who you are. That's what we mean when we say the level of training, okay? Um, so 
if the uke is coming in, pressing upon us, and if my spirit or my being or who I am is the person who pushes back on these things, no intellectual understanding is going to help me non-contest. And, there's, and Ike is impossible. You see, it is impossible under those conditions. It is only possible under fair weather conditions. And I know I'm not. I'm not interested in fair weather conditions, do you see? Because it, it can easily overlap with intellectual understandings, which is not me, do you see? So the uke is pushing in on us. Um, the faith comes, and this is where I think you you struggle, <laughs> right? The uke is coming in, and you have to have the faith to to know I'm going to be okay if I don't push back on them. Mm-hmm. They're not going to displace me. Yeah. This energy is going to go through me and go to the ground, and the greater mass of the planet is going to be rebounded back through my body and into their person. And in some way, their energy, their aggression, their, their power aimed and oriented towards my person mm. is exactly what I want. Mm. Do you see? Because that's the rebounding energy, mm-hmm. right? And you were talking about uh, Tristan has figured it out because uh, he can now just flick, flick his arms. Uh, and again, people in Aikido that train externally, this is all like, well, what do you mean flick his arms? That's bullshit, right? But people that do internal arts, um, they, they understand Fajin. They understand it. Do you get it? And so he, he understands it at the level of being. I would imagine, because he's only a teenager, that if you ask him what he's doing, he, he could not explain it, do you see, mm-hmm. right? Wouldn't you agree? I, I definitely. I don't think he would be able to say, oh, I am. Yeah, I, he just moves his body. He just moves That's his all. body, do you mm-hmm. see? Um, and so he can, your energy is, is the energy that he's flicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like bullshit, right? But if you understand uh, true energy transfer, if you truly understand physics, not a scientific point of view, of physics, you you go, yeah, this is not a violation of natural law. Oh, uh, this is just the same thing being utilized. But he doesn't understand it. There's no way. I, I, I would love to go, hey, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, I bet you I'm afraid to do it, in fact, because he might try to make sense of it, and then he starts to curb his practice to make to make that fit, which there's no way that's it because he doesn't know what he's doing, you know, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'm not sure this is, I'm not sure you can play with faith, so to speak, but in my trying to uh, get away from like, focusing on, oh, is this person being thrown, that type of thing. So when we did this drill, um, the first couple, of, the first reps in general, I was just not, I was not doing what we were doing. And then you gave me that correction of, you know, it's the rebound. They're supposed to go backwards when they hit you. What you're yeah. speaking about, you know, uh, letting them in, that stuff. That part I struggle with, what you just yeah. explained. Um, I tr- I'm going with Andrew, of course. Yeah, and he's a, <laughs> he's a bigger, larger guy. Uh, yes. Yeah. And he's one who would used to really trigger me when yeah. he would come in. Because I'm like, there's no way. You know, I'm five foot. Yeah. You know, not, not big. Yeah. Um, in the last, I think, four reps, I was really trying to do that 
faith part of it, mm. if, so to speak. I do try to do it. He pushes me. He, his his energy makes me go backwards. Yeah. Then the second time I try to do it, I miss him, but yeah. kind of get it a wee bit, a weak rebound, a weak yeah. rebound. We'll call it that. Uh-huh. And then the last one, at least he he does go backwards, and it felt like his energy hit me, yeah. and he went backwards. But again, weak rebound. But just in that, I told myself I am able to start doing this. Yes. Versus going back to what I was doing. Yeah, and I think that that faith creeps in with these happy accidents, mm-hmm. so to speak. Do you see? Uh, and you start to feel a, a kind of opening, right? A kind of like, what is, I, you know, we're bullshitting right now, right? Because it's all, this is all conceptual. Language is all conceptual. So uh, we want to be like Tristan. We, we want to just be, mm-hmm. do you see? Um, but I think there's a kind of like, y- you, you release that intellectual grasping, um, let's, let's just say that is a great definition of faith. Do you see? It's, it's not a rejection of our intellectual grasping, uh, but it's a releasing of it. It's an acknowledgement that we are more than that. Uh, and that is why I say it's us moving from that superficial or intellectual level of understanding to the level of being, right, of who we are. So if we look in this woman's book, that case for God, um, for centuries and centuries and centuries, um, she's looking in this book, she's looking at the Judeo-Christian tradition. This is exactly what faith was. There, there was some sense that uh, we are more than our intellect and we require more than our intellect uh, to understand the utility of God. Not, not genie in the sky God, right? But to understand this, uh, this communion between a wisdom tradition in particular, let's just say, and who we are. So that there is no gap. Um, and you can see this, like, in this concept, too. It's not limited to Judeo-Christianity. Um, you see it even in the Zen tradition. So you, you're constantly seeing the monk who memorized all the text, you see, has all the words memorized, chastised uh, by the, uh, the peasant or the bum or whoever, the old lady who doesn't know any sutras, but is Zen itself, do you see, is, is, is the very expression of Buddhahood, do you see, not an intellectual grasping of, of Buddhahood. And I do think that you, you get these kind of happy accidents, like, oh, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, and then you can risk more. And venture more because it feels like risk because it's experienced at first as an imposition as a threat to who we are uh, and you can kind of go like I'm okay and you can keep going more and more and more mm-hmm. um, and so the other way is faith is is the very reconciliation of fear itself you see that that's what we mean it's a skill mm-hmm. it's a skill I I have the skill of moving beyond my fear that we call faith, okay? And if we go back to 
the people that come to class or struggle coming to class or, or go through moments of great attendance and then moments of zero attendance. They lack faith, by which we mean their fear has captured them and they cannot free themselves. Um, and we can see that even those that come in this kind of torturous, suffering way, it's still through fear. Their fear still captures them. Um, and they're not freed by their faith. Uh, the fear still has them. And maybe to tie it into your feeling is faith is a kind of openness. Do you see a kind of opening, a kind of releasing? Um, and it is the doorway by which we move past the surface our, our conceptualization of the way, our intellectual understanding of the way. And we can get now at the level of being and who we are is our faith. This concludes this episode of Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. For more information, please visit sentiencenter.com. S E N. S-H-I-N-C-E-N-T-E-R dot com or find us at Facebook at Sension Center and on our YouTube channel at Sension One. Thank you for listening.